Hello listeners and welcome to this first footnote episode proper. Uh, my name is Alex Sargent. Uh, and I'm Chris Holliday. Right, Chris, I mean, where are we going to start? It seems obvious. Uh, we're going to start with animation. We are. Um, so, it was a, it was a toss-up between <laughs> the coins, um, but you're going to take it, take us away for the first go, yeah? Yes. Now, so, no, this is going to be a fun one, isn't it? Because uh, you've got 10 minutes to explain exactly what animation is, the whole history of it, all the different types of it. Sure. Uh, and all I get to do is ask the, the questions. So I'm very excited. You look terrified. No, I, I am. And I'm hoping that we'll have a kind of chat for about half an hour and then you set the 10-minute timer. But <laughs> I guess, we should, I guess yeah. we should launch. I'm going to do it. Right, we've got 10 minutes ready. Yeah, yeah. Time starts now. Right, Chris, what's animation? Okay, so animation, I think broadly speaking, is the uh, illusion of life, the illusion of movement. It kind of comes from um, Latin, if we look at the kind of etymology and, and genealogy of the term uh, anime, animus, the idea of soul, of breath, of life. Uh, of vitalism, the kind of vitality of, of, uh, of characters and, uh, and of objects. Uh, in terms of the genealogy of the medium itself, uh, often animation historians go back to the sort of 1890s uh, and there are really a con the conjunction of three main areas. One is sort of Victorian childhood toys and the praxinoscope, these sort of uh, images can showing continuous movement across, written across in, in or drawn across in bands that are then, um, spun in essentially like flip books, yeah. uh, spun in circular machines that then create the illusion of a horse riding or a person. Right. I think I've seen are those like those things in museums and stuff. You see them; it spins the wheel. And yes, you can, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. They're often one of the the um, like a flip book almost. It is like a flip book. It's uh, a lot of the adverts at the time. Uh, one famous advert when I've taught animation to, to students describes it as the wheel of life, which really kind of encapsulates. I think what what the the transference of still images into movement can can do. So I think that's a really important context. First off, um, Victorian. Um, childhood toys, toys mm. for children, which I think has done a lot in terms of branding the medium as something for children, which we might get onto um, in a potential footnote episode later down the line. Right, so were those those things with the horse moving around? Yeah. That was a, to a toy sold for like households. Yeah, yeah. So you would okay, get the strip separately. You'd weave it into this wheel of life, and you would spin it, um, and we get we get this this kind of illusion of, of movement. Okay. Uh, second, I think important context, and, and scholars like Malcolm Cook have written about this is the lightning sketch vaudeville stage tradition. So essentially. Uh, an artist on stage with a, um, I guess a modern equivalent would be something like Pictionary. Um, an artist on stage or uh, mm. uh, someone who's able to draw um, on stage with a, a chalk and an easel, uh, easel or a pen and paper or something like that, drawing and sort of describing what the artist is doing and modifying the drawing occasionally. Now Malcolm's written about this in relation to the kind of lightning sketch tradition. They're also called chalk talk uh, and sort of speed presto drawings. This this staged um, performance where the artist draws an image uh, and continually narrates his process, ad bits, transforms the image to a live audience. Okay, so that sounds like the two very different things in my head. Maybe mm -hmm. I've got that wrong, but one is kind of what a technological optical illusion yep. by yep. a beast. A bit of kit is making the image, and one of them is a person live in a room, basically doing some drawing and performing yeah, with the perfor drawing. Perform but performance is key here. So. Um I think Malcolm's work really speaks to that, that element of performativity, the way in which um, the the artist is in a creative bargain with the thing that he's yeah. drawing, and, and out of that patter and out of that staged performance where he kind of talks to the drawing, he may draw uh, a bike that with a few additions becomes a tent, which with a few additions becomes a car, and it's that sort of interaction with, with the drawing that I think gives, that helped the illusion of life beyond the kind of mechanical uh, image of a horse jumping up and down um, from artists like Edward Mybridge photographing these these drawings of, of horses and spinning them around to create okay, the illusion. I'm making a mental note to cover performativity on another footnote. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've got those two very different yep. Where are we? We're in the late 
late 18th century. So this you is yeah, well, this is kind of 1890s into the into the early 1900s. The third important context is comic books. So right, um, uh, the first animated characters often have their lineage within print cartoons. So um, Felix the Cat is probably a really good example of that. Uh, and again, the aesthetic of the earliest cartoons mimicked the movement of left to right, right to left. That sort of comic book style tableau form of presentation and, and really the convergence the aesthetic of early animated cartoons in the in the 10s and 20s is really leaning towards the the um kind of yeah mixture of of the movement of life through these this sort of victorian context the uh i guess the the lightning sketch tradition with with drawings that could come to life um, metaphorically speaking, uh, and then the comic book style that all came together to provide kind of the Im animation with its earliest image repertoire. So, is, so I guess it sounds like we've got a problem kind of working where this starts, like we do with all things. And yeah. actually, what you're talking about could even go back to like you know the, what the, the the southern French kind of cave paintings oh. where you've got the horse, yep. kind of the illusion of movement in the horse galloping along the the cave wall and yeah, things yeah, like that. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, one of the things that really really preoccupies animation um, writers, uh, historians, theorists is this kind of question of genealogy where given that animation is often mired in this it's live actions poor second cousin it's not really talked about it's a part of i think the the reclaiming project of animation is to to think about where animation comes from what its roots are and certainly kind of cave paintings where where the light coming in from the real world would mm. transform an image painted on a on a cave wall to, to give it that illusion of movement yeah. definitely you can definitely create a, li a link between that the earliest forms of image making to yeah kind of 1890s cool. and, then, and then we're into the to the um uh yeah the the, the 100 years of, right. of animation. well we've got about half your time left so tell Let's, us a little bit about the 100 years of animation um okay so the <laughs> i suppose the first sort of 20 years of the 1900s was was exactly that kind of short um, uh, cartoon production uh, and then w you get someone who we may have come across before Walt Disney he didn't <laughs> invent um, animation but he sort of defined it as a viable economic industry uh, and his earliest shorts are in the 1920s um, by the end of the 1930s we've got Snow White and we're almost at Pinocchio and Bambi and so forth sure. uh, at the same time you have a sort of ri emergent I mean there are lots and lots of rival studios the Fleischer Studios um, the Herd Studios the, the Bray Studios uh, Warner Brothers is perhaps the biggest competitor and on often the, the golden age of American, um, North American Hollywood animation is considered to be that sort of uh, industrial give and take between between Walt Disney and Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers producing the Looney Tunes and uh, I, gu I guess leaning more towards the seven minute cartoon. Um, then we get MGM, we get Tom and Jerry, so we're already up to the sort of 40s and, and 50s. 50s yeah, yeah. Are there any other types? Is this all drawn? Uh -huh. I thought we'd never ask. I yeah, thought we'd never yeah, ask. Yeah. So we are talking here about cell animation and part of the um, reproducible um, I think the, the, the kind of studio infrastructure that supported the, the golden right. age of Hollywood animation is partly due to the kind of reusing of cells. Cells could be washed, cleaned, and reused. In some cases, that wasn't even the case. Characters would be duplicated, backgrounds would be duplicated. So there's a sort of repetitious involved the, the, the repetitious act of Wiley Coyote chasing the Roadrunner is repeated at an industrial level where the backgrounds are the same yeah, okay. and everything's going in these sort of Sisyphean cycles it's the Fordist model of production um, so we're talking really about cell animation that was the sort of um, when cell animation was patented and industrialized, that's really what we're talking about. Of course, one of the biggest things with, with animation like fantasy, as we're going to talk about, is that it's it's uh, kind of 
splinters into lots and lots of different forms. We have cell animation, but we also have stop motion or object animation. So um, Aardman, perhaps a, a good example of a kind of claymation style of stop motion. Uh, we also have uh, computer animated films. I was films. say, we, we've also got to talk on the back of the digital here. Yeah, yeah, so they're, they're sort of a rival. D the digital has an interesting relationship to cell animation because digital digital ink and paint systems was used as a support for cell animation before it almost became spun off uh, in, in an industry into an industry of itself so the ability to produce persuasive ultra realistic three-dimensional computer animated objects where you can sort of build a three-dimensional virtual world on a computer uh, and the result is kind of toy story i mean there's loads of other in, in going back to this sort of genealogy what is animation what isn't how do we define it there are other kinds um so sort of sand animation so when artists such as caroline leaf uh, create drawings out of sand and move the sand with with her hands up against a sort of backlit um yeah, a backlit to create a kind of silhouette. We've got silhouette animation, Lottie Reiniger um, yeah, in the okay, 20s and 30s before, we? doing yeah, kind yeah. of cutout again against a backlight at home. So animation is is all those things and, and, and many more that I think we'll go on to, to discuss. How are we doing for time? You've got uh, just under two minutes. So I'll tell you what, give me 30 seconds on why digital is the probably seen by many as the most dominant now yep. and then you can give me some book recommendations okay so I would say since I would say since Toy Story but actually really since the 2000s what I really like and what I find interesting about the um, con contemporary Hollywood and its relationship to animation is that it does seem to replicate the studio model of the 30s and 40s I'd argue that the studio infrastructure in terms of creative personnel um, workforce um, artists working and hired under contract to particular studios in the 30s and 40s is very much replicated when we think of Pixar, DreamWorks, Blue Sky, and of course Walt Disney. So I, I think there's a really sort of uh, a nice mirror image between the, the studio system of the, of the 30s and okay. 40s and then a sort of contemporary explosion of blockbuster animation that's supported by uh, sort of big five uh, of studios. But plenty of other types of animation going on. Oh goodness, yeah, yeah. That's, and, my research is yeah. CG because I find it sort of fascinating and, yeah. and has its roots in special effects of course, but um, yeah. All right, give me some, we got 45 seconds, give me some book recommendations if you wanted to learn more about the origins and types of animation. Okay, so I would definitely suggest um, Maureen Furness's book, Art in Motion, Animation Aesthetics, uh, and probably one of the books that sits on my shelf that is the most dog-eared and um, kind of bleached by the sun would probably be Paul Wells' mm -hmm. Understanding Animation. So published at the end of the 1990s uh, and sort of offers a survey of animation theory, uh, how we interpret it, full of accessible case studies. So kind of Maureen Furnaces from a, an aesthetic point of view, art in motion, uh, and then I would say um, Wells's Understanding yeah. Animation. And if they wanted to do about computer animation, they would read? Uh, well, there's so much, but I would probably say the computer animated film, colon, industry style and genre by myself. And then you have two seconds to breathe out. Thank you. There we are. Done. Well done. Uh, that was 10 minutes on the origins, histories, and types of animation. We'll do a few more of these on the different terms that have come up in that. Um, but that's been this episode. Uh, if you've got any suggestions for future footnote episodes, a question, a key term, a, 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 a tangent on a previous episode that we yeah. can do with exploration, fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research at gmail.com. And that's the same handle for our Twitter and Facebook and Instagram accounts. Otherwise, see you next time. Bye. Thank you.